0: Welcome to Health Matters at Sargent College. The mission of Sargent College is to advance, preserve, disseminate, and apply knowledge in the health and rehabilitation sciences. BU's Sargent College strives to create an environment that fosters critical and innovative thinking to best serve the health care needs of society. Each episode of Health Matters at Sargent College will include faculty, students, or alumni who will share their knowledge with you. I'm Karen Jacobs, the Associate Dean of Digital Learning and Innovation at Sargent College, and I'll be your moderator for each episode. Welcome to this episode of Health Matters at BU Sargent College. Um, We have an occupational therapist as our guest today. Hallie Davis is our um, guest, and she has so many interesting things to share with us that I'm going to let her just start and tell us where you're located, first of all, and your experience with the post professional doctorate in occupational therapy and the interprofessional leadership and um, healthcare certificate, and among many other things. So, welcome.
1: Thank you, Karen. I really appreciate you having me on the podcast. I think this is such a wonderful medium for being able to reach um, so many different professions, and I appreciate that you host this program. Um I graduated from occupational therapy school back in 1997 so I've been practicing for a while and I entered the post-professional doctoral program at Boston University about 2 years ago. So I just finished up my coursework and I'm kind of in the in the meat of the writing, editing and research process right now.
0: Well, we're so happy that you chose our Boston University program. Um Tell us about some of the things that you've been interested in. Um, I know that you've been interested in occupational therapy and human trafficking. Um, you know, you were motivated to register for the certificate. Maybe, you know, just talk about some of the things that you've been doing um, and they have been um, global as well.
1: They have. Yeah. In fact, this past year, um, everything sort of came together for me in terms of um, just, you know, as the gates kind of opened post-COVID and allowed us to get back to global travel, um, the timing was just right for me. My youngest started college this past fall, so, you know, having an empty nest sort of allowed me to go and do, and I definitely went and did. I went to over nine countries this past year. And doing that all while being part of the PPOTD program gave me that sort of unique lens of, you know, really trying to dive into different cultures around the world, looking at how people view occupation, looking at accessibility, infrastructure. Um, So I really learned a lot and it informed my project, um, which is about human trafficking. Um, While I been a practicing occupational therapist here in coastal South Carolina for over 20 years. Um, I've also done a lot of philanthropy, and I've never really seen how those two things intersect. So most of what I've done in terms of community service has been um, in working with homeless communities, working with people who are housing insecure, and advocating for survivors of domestic violence, because um, those two populations, those two demographics Really have a lot of need in this area. Um, When I started the BUPPOTD program, I knew I wanted to do something that was globally oriented. Um, I was really inspired by the WFOT letter from the president by Marilyn Patterson in 2018, where she explored how occupational therapy can use the United Nations sustainable development goals as a way to sort of gain a footing in the global healthcare community. Um, And when I started to volunteer with organizations that serve people who've been trafficked, um, for me, it really all came together. Um, People who have been subjected to human trafficking suffer tremendously. It's it's really hard to even um, verbalize what they go through. And when they come out of a trafficking experience, the needs that they experience include, you know, physical rehabilitation due to injury. There's a psychological element to that. There's a cognitive element. And occupational therapists are so well suited to work with this population because we have such a broad scope. And, you know, you add to that the ability to sort of see how the person fits into their environment. Um... You know, and then even taking it another layer through the PPODD program, you learn a little more about um, cultural implications, and all of those things have really come together for me for my doctoral project. Um, so I had an opportunity this year to go to Nepal, that's where my project is based, um, and to get to work with. Um, trafficking survivors, and I really saw all of those elements coming together. So that was a really exciting opportunity for me to sort of um, work toward developing a program, which is uh, what I did while I was there.
0: Well, seven countries in such a short time period is pretty remarkable. But I'd love you to focus on what you did in Nepal, because that is so important. I think the program was called something like girl power?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So as occupational therapists in any setting, I think we really cultivate flexibility. Um, And that really served me well while I was there. So when I was in Nepal, the group that I was linked with is a group that's established globally, and everything they do is grounded in the Sustainable Development Goals. So the program I selected was a women's empowerment based program. Um, it addressed three of the SDGs, um, we, you know, gender equality, access to education. Um, so with this program, we had opportunities to not only work with women in Nepal who had been trafficked, but also to work on preventative programs with children, to work um, in more rural areas, um, on lots of different skills. So when I got there, you know, I was well-established, things were going great. And then all of a sudden everything just sort of shut down. Um, they, they were celebrating, um, which is sort of like, you know, it's on the same scale as Christmas and new years are in the Western world. And all of the facilities that we would go into were closed. Um, So the program director was a really young guy with two young daughters. And, you know, he was doing his best to sort of plug us into other outreach opportunities, which was wonderful. But um, what came out of that was I had an opportunity to sort of pull the resources of the volunteers that I was with. And, you know, we realized that that we had a wonderful opportunity to do something more. So I sat down with the director and I kind of said, you know, we have a broad experience skill set. We, you know, she can do this. I can do that. What can we do to make a real impact? How can we help this program? And he had this idea, I guess having two young daughters, he wanted to do something to create a solid program that helped keep girls in school longer. Um, And his idea was it was pretty unique. It was based on getting young girls involved in volleyball and their participation in a sport would then allow them to have scholarship for grades 11 and 12. Um, The trend that he was seeing was that when girls got to 10th grade, a lot of them were married off. Um, You know, they have to pay for school past 10th grade. And there wasn't a lot of incentive for these families to want to keep their daughters in school because they didn't see a point. Um, So even though it it took a little bit of conversation for me to really grasp why volleyball, you know, what is the cultural reasoning behind it? He then went on to explain that young women who participate in sports in Nepal get recruited by the military and police organizations. And because of um, legislation, those programs now really are promoting a wider scope of recruitment among young women so they can make good money, they have a great career path. Um, so, it, you know, that goes back to what we learned in school about you have to be respectful of other cultures. And even if I didn't fully understand the rationale, you know, this is coming from somebody who is raising a family in this environment, has grown up in this environment. So, you have to work with what their priorities are. Um, so what I did is I wrote a program, a comprehensive program included everything from funding to marketing to, you know, who they were going to reach out to for um, resources. We created a three year timeline. We took the week all day, every day. And I just I drew from some of the content I had already created in school. And by the end of the week, we actually were able to submit our comprehensive program I got to see in real time you know what edits people were submitting kind of you know boots on the ground and um, they got excellent feedback and it's now up and running so even though it wasn't exactly what I set out to do when I went to Nepal it was real progress it's a real program and um, it's I really think it's gonna make a big impact so it's very exciting unexpected but again it goes back to you know being flexible pulling your resources and then you know of course after everything opened back up again we were able to sort of shift gears and get back into um, working with women who were trafficking survivors in
0: residential facilities well this is exciting and you know it it really speaks to um, occupational therapy looking at what's meaningful to people that occupation um, and volleyball you know I, I I've would not have thought of that, that either, um, as well as that being something that would be something meaningful, but it sounds like, um, it was. Exactly.
1: And, you know, the only element that, um, was a little bit of a struggle was having basis. Um, it, that was, you know, where the program director said, Hey, we need to do this because, um, I really wanted a solid foundation. So we, you know, it took a lot of digging to unearth some statistics that supported what he was seeing. But, you know, with some work, we were, we were finally able to do that to show that this, you know, that there was a trend of young girls leaving school, why they were leaving school and how a program of this nature could help in so many ways.
0: Great. Thank, thank you so much. Um, It's so interesting. And, is this still going? Um, is this- It is. Yeah, absolutely. So they um,
1: they got feedback. The agency that oversees the group that I was with is worldwide. Um, so they have the funding. They have the resources. And now that they have the program, yes, things are up and running. I mean, we even created a logo contest so that, you know, to generate some interest, we made um, flyers and posters. You know, I happen to have my laptop with me dove into some of the, um, you know, Canva and Word and some of the other things that I use. And I showed them, you know, I showed the program director and the other folks who were local in Nepal, how to use those resources. So now they can take what we started and they can go with it on their own. And, And to me, that was, you know, that's kind of the whole point is to give people agency, to give them the resources
0: Absolutely. And it's great that this is sustainable. I think that's really important. Absolutely. Now, you've been also um, doing some work in mentorship um, with the South Carolina Occupational Therapy Association's mentorship program. Can you you know, share some of that with us too? Yeah, absolutely. So we
1: Um, As an organization, as a professional organization, the South Carolina Occupational Therapy Association is very small. We have grown vastly in the state in terms of, you know, we had a real influx, especially during COVID. Um, People moving to the area, you know, my county is really big for retirees. I live in North Myrtle Beach, so a lot of golf, a lot of people from the Northeast came down. Um, So we've had lots of new facilities, hospitals. And we've brought in therapists from all over the country, but people don't seem very invested in their professional organization. So the South Carolina Association, the mentorship program grew out of a need to sort of generate an incentive, an incentive for people to join. Um, So again, this is another, it was a program that we kind of started from scratch. And I did sort of the same thing I did in Nepal, pulled out all my resources, I wrote the program. um, And I had the support of another therapist who is a CODA. Um, So what I did is I took the MBCOT, the mentorship program that they offer, I used what I learned in the Boston University interprofessional um, certificate Uh, the leadership program, and then drew some from what I had learned in school. And of course, my own experience as a therapist. And I created a um, sort of a manualized six module program where members of the OT association in the state, they can log on, they can kind of work through each of the modules. And then we created um, an online quiz. And I was really excited about that because that's totally out of my wheelhouse, but I found someone who did it pro bono. Um, People can then log on, do this self-check, 10-question quiz. They can take it and retake it as many times as they need to. Um, And then we developed a QR code. So we have our state conference at the end of February. And we now have sort of all the ducks in a row ready to launch this program. And we're really hoping that it will not only serve to, you know, incentivize therapists to join the organization, you know, maybe they come to attend conference for CEs and see that this is a great way that they can pass on knowledge. Um, But we also wanna capture the student demographic. You know, students are required to be members while they're in school, but a lot of them don't maintain that membership. And having a mentor, I think is a great way for them to sort of step into their professional careers with a little bit of guidance. Um, You know, and then the added bonus being that people who are involved in this program, either as mentees or mentors, can get continuing education hours. So it's, it's kind of a win-win and I'm really hoping um, that we'll get a lot of buzz at conference and it just uh, will really help to elevate our membership in terms of what we offer, but, you know, also incentivize people to join.
0: I think it's wonderful. And as you know, in our um, Boston University post-professional OTD program, mentorship is one of the things that we, we focus on and it really It really makes a difference in in someone's professional and personal lives.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, you know, being an experienced OT, I really feel as if the mentors stand to gain as much or more than the mentees. You know, if, if OT is so fluid and it's such an exciting thing to see our practice evolve as different models and theories grow in our profession. And what I learned in school 20 years ago is no longer at the forefront. I learned so much more, not only by being part of the PPOTD program, but by speaking with new grads, speaking with other, you know, folks who are at my level, but that are in academia, not necessarily clinical practice.
0: Oh, you made, you made a good point there. Yes. It's, it's really an interchange um, that, that both, the mentor and the mentee really benefit. So thank you. I'll I'll be interested in following uh, this mentorship program in the future, so thanks. So we're almost out of time. So I'd like to conclude the episode with asking you, what's your why? My number
1: one why is just the love of the profession. And I'm so happy to say that my love of the profession Started when I was very very young, I've I just have always loved enjoyed learning about occupational therapy, practicing occupational therapy, and that love has only grown. I you know especially now that I see what we can offer, um, we have such a unique skill set, and what we do is relevant in so many different demographics. Um, so that's
0: my number one why. Well, thank you. I love that. I love that why. And thank you for being on Health Matters. Thank you, Karen. And to our listeners, thank you. We'll have more episodes coming up. And um, I hope that you're enjoying learning about Sargent College, our students, our graduate, our staff, and our alumni. Thanks for joining us.